This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Investor Frame Podcast. I've got a, a friend, a new friend of mine, uh, Kyle Doney here. And, uh, you know, I'm extremely excited to have you in because I've gotten to watch you from afar with LVN Real Estate. As I got into this Denver market, you were a competitor to me. And I was like, ooh, they, you know, they have it really dialed in. And I could see you on the the you know search page when I type in buy my my house fast you know sell my house fast in Denver and so you know I've uh, I've heard a lot about you from a lot of other folks in the industry you have a great reputation here in Denver so I'm extremely excited to have you in here and have you tell your story about you know how you got into real estate how you're using it to help you get closer to the things that you want and uh, yeah welcome in cool thanks Paul appreciate it I'm glad to be here glad to chat awesome man so let's start by giving a little bit of backstory here um, I know. Uh, a little bit about your background, but why don't you tell everybody about how you got from, you know, into real estate up to the you know, first point, right? You started in the military. Tell me a little bit yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, condensed version. Yeah, I started started in the military uh, right out of high school. I just joined the Air Force and uh, did that and realized real, real fast that I don't like authority. I don't like being told what to do. Like, I'm the exact opposite, opposite of that. And so um, while I was in, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the most fun thing for me. Like I just didn't like the, you know, how I was managed and just, I just didn't like the military. It's not, not my personality. So mm -hmm. more free spirited than that. Um, but did it, I ended up doing six years um, and uh, got out, went to college. And during college, I was trying to figure out like, Hey, what am I going to do next? Um, I kind of went to college cause it was free and it was like, that's what you do. Right. What'd you and, do in college? Uh, I started uh, business and parks and rec management. Nice. Um, and so I graduated from East Carolina. I was in North Carolina at the time and um, got done with that and said, all right, what am I going to do next? And started researching businesses. Like what can I, what business can I buy? I knew that I wanted to be my own boss and do my own thing. And that led me to buying a existing vending machine business. Really? And so, yeah. So I moved from North Carolina. My brother was already living out here in Denver and, um, I found a business in Boulder, a uh, vending machine business. I bought it. Um, I pretty much took like my life savings, almost everything I had, and spent it on this business. Spent the rest of it to move out here and just like live. And that's what got me into entrepreneurship. And so I started kind of just learning what it's like to run a business through that. Um, I did that for five years. I had a, um, uh, a phone business as well that I turned in. I was a, it was like a college hustle. I was flipping phones. And turned that into a business and grew that at the same time as the vending. It's like a definition of <laughs> an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, like coming yeah. out, buying vending machine businesses and flipping phones. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Where were your vending machines? Were they just in Boulder? Uh, yeah, mostly Boulder. So they were in uh, like all the Boulder rec centers. Um, I had like uh, contracts with Erie. I had uh, um, I had a bunch of different like just little, I had some libraries. I, I had a bunch of Was it just locations. you? Just me. I, I ended up hiring one employee that stock the machines like mm -hmm. it got to the point where i was so busy in the phone business um and real estate i was dabbling in real estate at the time as well um so i had three different things going i ended up hiring somebody that to stock the machines to pull myself out of that and so that freed up a ton of time in the vending vending business um but it was hard to, it was really hard to scale like that business is super super um it's pretty cutthroat like they're the contracts and the bidding that you have to do to get these to get to secure these locations um you have to spend a lot of money to secure these contracts. And the it's a commodity game. Yeah, they're government contracts. And so you're competing against like 
these massive companies that can come in and pay them these huge amounts of money to win a contract and put their machines in there. Yeah. So it's tough as a small business to compete. I did grow the business. I doubled the size of it and did well for, I, I had that business for five years and I sold it. Um, and pretty much that was around 2000. I started that in 2012 and I sold it in 17. And then I, I was dabbling in real estate as well. I started real estate in 2013. Um, and so I was doing that for a couple of years already, flipping houses, buying rentals at the same time as doing these other businesses. Mm -hmm. And then in 17, I went all in and just like put all my time into real estate. And that's how I, that's how I went. So you got rid of these other two businesses. Is it, is it because they just weren't as profitable? You didn't enjoy them? You know, one of the, the things on this show, we talk about the investor frame, right? Which is like, well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to opt in to my current situation? And it seems like you'd made a decision where you're like, well, knowing what I know now, I need to get rid of these businesses and focus on something better. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it was pretty much like, all right, I can buy this house and flip this house and make X dollars and do a couple of these a year. And I didn't, you know, it didn't take very many to make more than the vending machine business was making. And I had all these machines all over the place, was getting all these customer service calls of my chips are stuck. It ate my money. Like you, just the stuff you don't want to deal with, right? Like you're getting all these over a dollar, $2 yeah. or whatever. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> I, I'm like done with this. Right. And yeah, you can outsource a certain amount of it to, to employees, but um, it was, it was more of a headache than it was worth. Mm -hmm. Once I got into real estate and started flipping houses that it didn't make sense to keep going with it. And like I said about trying to grow it, uh, securing the contracts was difficult. And you just have to have so many machines all over the place that it didn't, it didn't align with what I wanted um, as far as a business. Mm -hmm. So I came to that realization eventually and ended up moving on. Well, what a great time to get into flipping, right? Yeah, yeah. The market was just going like this in 2017, just ripping. Yeah. Um, that was right when I was starting to get into real estate. Yeah. And I was like, man, look at this. Real estate's just running, running, running. So what was your first, you know, the process of getting into flipping? Um what was that like? Sourcing deals, sourcing money, executing on the projects. It doesn't sound like you had a ton of construction experience. No. So how did you put these deals together? Um, you know, so when I when I got going in it, luckily the businesses that I had, the the phone business and the vending machine business, they were doing well enough where I had extra cash. Like I was making good money, especially in the in the uh, phone business. I was doing really well in that, and uh, so I had cash um, at the time. So I didn't get in with nothing. I luckily I had a I had a base to start with. Yeah. And so um, back then it was, you know, the, when I got in, it was 2013 and stuff was a lot cheaper, mm -hmm. right? The house that I could buy for 200 grand is now 500 grand. You know, like it's, it was a different, Yeah, it took less capital. Um, and so I had that capital already and um, that helped me kind of get into it. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of the same as most people getting into it, borrowing a lot of money, a lot of hard money um, I was using. And, um, you know, I was getting lines of credit at the time as well against the rentals that I had started accumulating over, over the years. So I had a number of rentals. Uh, so when I went into it full time, I had lines of credit against these rentals that That's I great. could use as well yeah. um, in, conjun in conjunction with the hard money, which allowed me to kind of scale and, and keep, the, keep the ball rolling. Yeah. And was this all here in Denver? Because I know you do a lot of deals out in Golden. Where did you start? What part of town were you in? Um, yeah. So when I started, I was, where was I? I was in, uh, I think Arvada. Yeah, I was in Arvada. Arvada is where I started. So, um, Arvada was the first house that I bought and that was like a house hack. You mm -hmm. know, I, I bought a house. I used a, my, uh, VA loan, um, 
and house hacked. I rented out rooms to, to my friends. Like I had a number of friends that moved out here and ended up just living with me. And so. Did you know it was called house hacking back then? No. Cause when I did it, I didn't know that was a, that was a no, term no. that was, yeah. I learned that later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but that's what I, that's what Somebody I wrote a book on it and I was like, ah, I've done that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that got me rolling. Like that covered my mortgage, you know, just yeah. out rooms. Love it. Um, and then I bought like my first rental, uh, up in Greeley. I love telling the story about it because it was so cheap and people can't believe it now when I say it. Like I, I bought a single family house for twenty five grand. Whoa! You know, and like people when if you're in Colorado, you're like, what? <laughs> like that's nuts. Um, but that was my first like flip and rental. Like I I rehabbed it and then rented it out. I still own it today, um, and I learned a lot of lessons on that one. But yeah, you're right. I knew nothing about construction, no background in it. I'm really not good at fixing things. I'm not good at like just uh, swinging a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, I didn't knew nothing about it and just kind of, I still don't know how to build anything, but I know what stuff should look like and how it should be. And I, and I understand construction enough to do a lot of flips. Construction's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It um, really is. It's, and it's a continuous learning process. Like it is always learning. Um, and I think just the, I think the key to construction is hiring people that know what they're doing. And luckily I have that, mm-hmm. um, but hiring people that know what they're doing and leaning on them. And, uh, you know, guys like us that are running the business, like we're not going to learn every detail of construction. If you didn't grow up in it and you weren't building houses, like it's a uphill battle. It really is. Um, so what does your, what, what is the evolution of LVN look like? Because, how did that play in? You were flipping some houses and like, you must've made this switch to your like, there's a, there's something to this. Like I'm, I'm turning these deals over. How did that transition go from we were like, all right, we're flipping a couple houses to now I've got a business. It was slow. I mean, you know, like when it started, like I said, it was, I was doing these other businesses. So it was just a side hustle. Yeah. Like it just a hustle really. Right. You know, it was like, all right, I need some passive. Like I knew I wanted or needed passive income. And so that's, it started with just buy, wanting to buy more rentals. And so I, I didn't start flipping. I started buying rentals and accumulating those. Got it. And then that turned into flipping that turned into like, Oh, I found this deal on this one, but this doesn't make sense as a rental. Like I should just sell this or wholesale it or whatever. And so, um, it kind of led from buying rentals into uh, around 2015. I think, I think 2015 is when I wholesale my first deal. Um, and, wholesaler was like oh cool we made like a grip of cash like just doing selling a contract right and it was like this is neat this This is is really neat (laughs) yeah like with the rentals like you don't you're getting like whatever a couple hundred bucks a month if you have a mortgage on it and it doesn't feel like you're making anything right Mm -hmm. like it's just such a slow slow growth on rentals yeah um but i think when we did that wholesale um i had a, a partner in my business at the time and um when we did that wholesale like I want, to, I want to say we made like 50 grand on it and we split it and we're like, whoa, this is amazing. He's like, this is big. Like, yeah. you know, and that was a big, that's still a great number. That's still a huge wholesale to, you for know, sure right now even. But, um, that's, I think that's when it clicked of like, you know what? I need to put more energy into this because it takes a lot. I got to sell a lot of phones. I got to sell a lot of snacks to make that kind of money. And so I need to really dig into this and figure out like, how does this work? Um, and from there it was just kind of like a hustle, um, finding houses and then we just started building a team and, and scaling from, from there. Um, so start as just you. Um, and I know that you're also involved with a couple masterminds and things like yeah. this. Uh, how did that play into how you built your business and 
and I'll, I'll preface this by saying there's a lot of people that uh, are out there that will tell you how to run this business. It's not like it's rocket science. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult to figure out how to do it and align with the things that you actually want. Yeah. Um, so what was that process like for you learning the business from, you know, other people and then taking it back and applying it? Yeah. I mean, getting around, the, getting around like people that were actually ahead of me was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, I, I was going to some events, you know, I don't know what year I started going to events, but, um, I remember when I first joined a mastermind and first uh, started going to like one off, you know, whatever, two or three day events and meeting people that helped immensely. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I'm hearing other people's stories. Like before that, it's just reading on bigger pockets and reading yeah. online and, you know, watching whatever YouTube and yeah. whatever's out there. Um, and there was less out there at the time. There's still a lot out there, but not near as much information as now. Um, but like just going to those events and having those conversations and hearing what other guys are doing and get deals and how they're growing, how they're hiring, how they're scaling a business made a massive difference once I started doing that. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I started doing way more events and, and paying for education um, in 2017. Like when I went full time is when I really started dumping money into education. And uh, before then it was kind of a, that was kind of a foreign concept. Like, oh, I'm going to spend x thousands of dollars to be a part of this like that's it was hard to understand yeah uh, previously you know like but it, it made sense as i kept going and you know that's why i still go to stuff and yep. and continue to pay to learn yeah so what does your business look like now um so now um as far as like company and size and yeah. what we do you know so we're i would say like our primarily primary business model right now is fix and flip we do a lot of fix and flip um Every year I'm buying rentals as well. You know, like I buy a number of rentals. Um, generally, that's been like single family to small multi. Um, I started buying commercial property a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago as well, and, and trying to get into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly we're a fix and flip company. Um, I, I want to say we're at seven internal employees right now. Okay. Um, and that's project managers, sales guys, um, assistant, you know, uh, yeah, there's marketing yeah, and yeah, like a couple internal people that yeah. help run everything. Um, and so we're, we're a pretty small company. Um, we're buying roughly 50 houses a year for the past several years. I want to say the past three or four years in a row, we've been around that number. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a mix of, of buying rentals, flipping, wholetailing, um, maybe a few wholesales, like we'll, we'll wholesale a few off. Hasn't been a primary focus. Um, but yeah, we're mostly a flip company at the moment and, uh, uh, you know, just trying, trying different, trying different, uh, avenues out in real estate as well. Yeah. Like I said, like I started buying commercial a couple years ago, just digging into that world. Does it make sense? You know, I start with just kind of same, same thing as how I got into it. Like I'm buying a property here, buying a property there and just learning it, learning the game and figuring out if it makes sense. Um, I started developing a couple years ago and and um that duplex about, you did in golden yeah real nice yeah we built two duplexes in golden um and you know that's not all me i have a, a partner that really like led the charge on that um uh, but that's that's like another avenue that i want to learn i want to understand like does it make sense for me to go in and go try to build a 40 unit apartment building does that make sense i don't know let's start with doing these duplexes and see how it goes see if i like it and so that's what i'm doing i built a couple duplexes i got another one that uh we just got approved and we're starting on that one, should be in a couple months. 
um, once we get permits and, and just learning that game. Yeah. You know, so figuring out where the business is going is, is, uh, is, it can be a challenge, right? Cause there's all these different worlds of real estate to get into. There's so many. Um, but I think I've been flipping long enough now where I'm like, what's next? Yeah. You know, like where, where do I, where do I evolve to? And like, what do I do next in this world? Mm-hmm. Well, you're bringing up, uh, a really interesting point. Uh, when I got into real estate, I used to say it's like I, I need to press all these buttons because I just need to see what happens when I press it. Yeah. Um, I need to see is this something that I like? Is this something that I hate? Is this something I could see doing for a long term? Um, now we have this phrase that we use inside of our you know community and the certainty operating system. We say we want to if you're doing something new. Um, absence what what my mentor Dan calls a preponderance of data meaning like if you don't have data for whether or not you've done something you're trying to do something new well then we need to take micro steps right so what can we do that can give us some feedback so we don't go all in on something we can you know kind of uh, I've heard it also explained as like a soft offense. Like we want to kind of push on things and see what gives. Yeah. It sounds like that's what you're kind of doing right now. Dabble. Lightly pressing on things. <laughs> yeah. See if I like this. See if I don't, you know, yeah. let's see what gives kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've done a number of different type of deals. Like I did a, a land deal, you know, where I started going through the entitlement process and, and looking at just building uh, or having different lots and selling up the lots, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, do I actually build this? Do I not? ended up selling that land. Right. But that was an experience, like just working with engineers and, and figuring out how do you take a piece of raw dirt and turn it into something that you could sell, go sell to a big developer. Yeah. Um, or do it myself. Right. Like how do I get there? Um, and so I bought that deal. We did, we did a, a manufactured home build that we're still working on getting to completion. Um, just a, another world, right. It's like, yeah. how do I buy a piece of dirt, put a manufactured home on it, and make a profit out of it. Like, how does this work? Um, it's yeah. like doing all these like little random things. Um, but land is such a shiny object. Anytime <laughs> yeah. I hear somebody talk about land, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's yeah. no toilets, there's no tenants, there's no yeah. foundations, there's none of this stuff. Yeah, this this sounds appealing, and but it's not it's not as simple as it it's sounds. Hard. Right, it's hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, working working with cities is so difficult. You mm-hmm. know, like getting getting something getting something from raw dirt into something that you can go build a house on. It takes so much time, so much money, um, and it's so much risk, like yeah. tons of risk For with sure. it. Uh, so yeah, it's a whole different world. Hard to get financing on types of deals oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really hard. Like you mm-hmm. bring it to a bank and they're like, eh, Very speculative. Yeah. No thank you. Yeah, yeah. Go find some private money or use your own money. Yeah, no lend on them, right? But they want, you know, you have to have probably 50% in roughly. Yeah. Like that's the number I hear a lot. Yeah. Like you're putting 50% in. Mm-hmm before you, you know, before we give you a dime. So it's, it's, uh, takes a lot of capital to do those deals as well. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of thing. Well, so you have a flipping business and I find that, uh, I have just absolutely bombed almost every single flip I've ever done. Like the really? first flip we barely, I think we made like 20 grand. Yeah. Um, but for the amount of time and energy I put into it, I was like, that wasn't worth it. No. Um, <laughs> no. we did another one that, uh, we ended up having to, we ended up getting hit with a $25,000 foundation repair. There was a horizontal crack around the whole place. And I, it's a long story. Never should have bought that deal in the first place. But, you know, my experience has been, it's hard to find the right construction partners and contractors to trust. We've gotten burned by multiple contractors. Yeah. Um, 
you just don't know what you don't know. So the fact that you've been able to build that business is very, um, you know, as someone who's tried to build it, I'm like, yeah. man, that's impressive. Yeah. What is the secret to a flipping business? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I, I, there's so many gotchas in flipping, right? Yeah. Like there's so many things. The margin of error is low. Yeah. Like it's, it is a hard business. Now I will say like during the last three years, it's been pretty easy. Like yeah. you could screw up literally everything and still make money. Except for me. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how you're doing that. That's, that's a story for another, for another podcast, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, flipping has been pretty, pretty good for the past couple of years just because yeah. the market has been going up so rapidly. Yep. Um, you can make the mistakes and you can just eat it. Yeah. Um, right now more than ever, like I am, I'm, I'm really slowing down on flips a little bit to kind of build our processes and our systems and get the right people in. And so that's where we're at right now is, uh, working on just kind of like the internal part of it. Like we need to get better internally to run smoother. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not always like pressing on the gas. It's sometimes like take your foot off the brake. Yeah. 100%. You know, like you yeah. got to eliminate the, the friction before we're going to press forward. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, we're, we're still doing a, a good number of flips and you know, we buy a couple a month and, and mm-hmm. flip still, but I'm really realizing that like internally, like we have, we need to get some better processes and systems. Um, but to answer your question on like, how have I been successful in, in these flips over the years? I think it's, I've kind of had like a model and I've stuck to it as far as like what I'm buying. Um, and that's mostly the starter home type of stuff. And so I haven't taken huge risk with like buying a million dollar house and doing a massive, you know, big renovation and going like super spec. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a piece of it. Like I've had kind of our, our buy box that we buy in and I've stuck to it. And um, that's, that's one thing I think, I think the other uh, the other, the other thing is just being really careful of what I buy. Like I have numbers that I want to buy at and, um, I try to get a really good idea of like, what is the rehab going to be going into this? And so before I ever buy it, like I have a pretty good idea of what's going to go into it. And so I know how much, how much spread I have on it, if it's going to make sense or not. And so I think a lot of people get into it and they don't really know that they don't, yeah. they have no idea if it's going to be 70 grand or 120 grand. Mm. They just don't know. Like you didn't see that horizontal crack, right? right. Like, I would have saw that before I bought that house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, that hasn't happened to me, right? Yeah. Uh, luckily, knock on wood. Uh, and I'm not trying to. We still we still got out of it with yeah. our with yeah. our with our shirts. We made we made like 15 on it. Yeah. And it's just like again, not worth my time. Yeah. No, um, that's totally not worth doing a flip for that for that. Like there's a, so much risk. There's yeah. so much headache. Exactly. In flips, but I think it, a lot of it is just like due diligence going into it. You got to really know going into it, like, hey, this does make sense to buy. Like, I know we're good on this. Like, if worst case scenario, if we don't even flip it, like, I'm going to be able to sell it and make money. Yeah. And so I try to be able to buy stuff where I can get out of it. Like, yeah. if I decide not to flip it, we don't have the cruise, we don't have the capacity, whatever, we could still sell it and make a make a profit. I could wholesale it. I could just put on the MLS, wholesale it, and still get out of it. I mean, that's a big piece of it. Just buying right and knowing what your numbers are to get it to the point of what you can sell it at. Well, let me get your opinion on why people don't do those things. Um, yeah. I had, in my first couple of years, a problem with my own ego getting in the way of deals. I want to compete. I want to keep up with the other guys I see in my market and at these masterminds. Well, they're doing a couple flips a month. Yeah. I was like, well, so I had this like urgency 
that I would manufacture in my brain. Yeah. Like you got to buy it. You got to find something. You got to, you have to do deals. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a result of being an inexperienced business owner. Right? Yeah. hundred it, It's just a, you know, the fact that you're not letting your emotions get in the way of like, it would be really cool to flip this million dollar house in, you know, in Golden or Sloan's Lake or some really nice neighborhood. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't fit my buy box. Yeah. Uh, I'm now starting to realize if you want to run a business at a high level, you have to have non-negotiable. If it doesn't fit this, we're not doing it. And that stuff has to get determined ahead of time because yeah. what you'll try to do is you'll be like, uh, I can make that work. Yeah, yeah. I can get this right. Yeah. And you start, you know, again, I, to me, it all, it all drove back to my own ego, which is yeah. what got in my own way. Um, so how you do you say no, you gotta be able to say no. Right. Like yep. people send me stuff and I can look at it pretty quick and be like, Nope. And nope. I, I, I can say no and not yeah. worry about it. Cause I know yeah. what my criteria is when I want to buy, or I can shoot them back a message and say, I'll buy it if it's at X number. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the number. Like, and, yeah, it's like, um, you know, my, one of my coaches says that the number one word in a champion's vocabulary is restraint, Yeah, right? It's yeah. being able to say no, uh, sometimes missing an opportunity is, is better than like this rushing, trying to just do deals to keep up. It's a, it's an yeah. ego game. So oh, yeah, you just, you'll just implode. Like if you're yeah. if, like, I've seen it, like I've seen yep. the guys come in and out of this market. I've been doing this long enough now yeah. where I see you guys coming to Denver, they buy a bunch of stuff, they start buying from like these big wholesale companies, paying too much money, not underwriting it correctly, and like they're gone in a matter of no time. Like, where'd that guy go? He's not in the business anymore. Like yeah. you see it so often. It's a really it's a hard business. It is. Fix and flip is not an easy business. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of gurus that sell it as easy and and think it's easy, but like there is so many ways to lose money in yes. doing doing fix and flip. Um, you got to be on point. And so like, I think it all, there's, there's so many, it's beyond just the flip, right? Like for us, I mean, we're, I'm not buying off the, these big wholesale companies. Like I'm sourcing the deal. For so sure. that's a, that's a big piece of it. Yep. Right. Like I'm going direct to seller. I have sales guys and we do marketing. Yep. And so we, that, that can, that helps right there alone. Right. Like I have a bigger margin by doing that. Um, it costs me money to get those deals, but I'm not buying off the guy that's marking it up all the way. Like I'm buying it at a lower price. Um, so I have the spread there. I got a question for you. How do you pay your sales guys when you're keeping the deal? Do you pay them on profit on the backside? Do you pay them a fee up front? Like if I keep it as a rental, you're saying? Well, so like you're, you're keeping it as a flip or a rental. You're yeah, keeping so, the deal. So there's not yeah. – we have wholesale transactions because um, we're either primarily doing wholesaling – retail would do novations and stuff like that or we're doing big developments yeah um, and i'm just curious how do you compensate your team for those types of deals yeah so uh if it's a rental we just pretty much treat it as if it were a flip right so if i'm buying a rental it's it's the same it's almost the same numbers like i want the margin there where if i rent it and i decide to sell it in a year i could sell it and make the same yeah. as i would flipping it mm -hmm. right so we're we're just going to take a basically a spreadsheet and estimate out what would the profit be on this if we were if we were selling got it how much would we put into it how much would we what are the agent costs what are the holding costs etc cetera, etc cetera. what's the net number that we think it would make and then they get paid a percentage on that yep and so Makes that's sense. how it works on rentals yeah on flips um, there's a there's a decision to be made for the sales guy like if he wants the money up front he's going to take a less lesser commission so the day we close, 
I'll pay him the day we close when an estimated profit, what we think we're going to make, but it's going to be at a lower commission. Yeah. Because there's no guarantees. Yep. Right? Um, especially right now with the market. What do they do? They take the, take the money on the front no, they or they take it on the back? They always wait. That's that's a good team. That's a good team right there. <laughs> yeah. So on the, on, if it, you know, if we flip it, then they're going to get paid whatever, four or six months down the line when it actually sells mm-hmm. and get the full commission amount. That's cool. So. Um, well, I want to ask you a little bit now about uh, your 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 solvable problem. So we yeah. we have this term, you know, around solvable problem, and the idea here is we should be using the businesses and the investments and the things that we do actively to help us get closer to the things that we want in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know you're a big uh, skier. You're a boarder or skier? Boarder. Boarder. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, we call them knuckle draggers. So <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been up yet this year, man. I need to get yeah. out. Um, get some days in I know snowing. there's been some good snow up there. Yeah. Um, it's snowing for sure. So like what, how, how have you designed your business and your, you know, your investments so that you can do these things? Cause I know you, you know, every time I see you, it's like on, on social media or whatever, like you're up there skiing or you're boarding or doing whatever you're doing, um, yeah. biking or anything like that. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people, have these grandiose visions of oh I want financial you know freedom yeah. and it's like well that is that is something to aspire to certainly but yeah. the process and the journey is really um, not as simple as that yeah. but um, yeah how are you how are you aligning your business and your investments to help you do the things that you want to do in life yeah well I'll say this I, I being in business. 10 years now, I started in 2012 with my defending stuff. Mm-hmm. I've worked my ass off. Yep. And like, there's been times where like I've worked and worked and worked and did not take a vacation, did not take a break, didn't do my hobbies to the extent that I want to do them. Um, it's a work in progress. Like I'm still, I'm still working on that. And that's part of building out a team that can handle things for me. Um, but there's, there's no doubt that I still put in a ton of hours. Yep. Like I just, it's just where I'm at right now. And I am working on um, kind of controlling like the amount of hours I put in and, and trying to get those down. Um, and that's through hiring and, and not, not having to like take on that extra flip and push it. Like we were just talking about, like if, if it doesn't make sense, like I'm not going to take it on just for the sake of adding another number and saying, Oh, I did whatever 51 this year instead of 50 last year. Like, I don't care. Like yeah. I don't, it, I don't care if I do fifty three or fifty one or four. Like it doesn't matter, right? Like I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do what makes sense, um, what we can handle. And so, um, I definitely have made an effort recently, more recently, in more recent years, probably the last five years, to do more of my hobbies, take vacations, like just do the things I want to do. Um, last year I, I went on like a five week road trip across country. That's awesome. My van, like I bought a, I bought a van, like a camper van and just like went across the country and rode a lot of mountain bike and, and like just did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. saw new stuff. And so, um, that's a big, uh, motivation for me is that, uh, I want to do more of that. Right. And so I want to build a better business that growth, growth is important. Like I still want the business to grow. I want to, I do want to do more. I do want to do better. Like that's just in me, yeah. you know, like I want to build a better business, do bigger deals, like do cool stuff. Right. But at the same time, like, I don't want to get to whatever. I don't want to be 50 years old and look back and be like, damn, I should have rode way more mountain bike or snowboard more or rode more motocross. Like now I'm like, now I don't got the time because I got kids and I got, I'm older and like, yeah. I, you know, I don't feel up to it as, as much anymore. So 
I'm trying to do keep doing all that stuff, but it comes back to like building a good team. Mm-hmm. And so where I'm in, at in business right now is focused on building a good team, having good systems, having good processes. And, and by doing that, if I can accomplish that, which is, is what I'm working on and, and growing, then I can do more of the stuff that I want to do. Yeah. And so I have an awesome business, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's the goal. Um, and it's a work in progress. Like it takes yeah. time, but I for sure like try to get out and like do my hobbies. You know, yeah. like, I realize it. Like if I don't, you know, I've set, I set goals for my hobbies. Mm-hmm. Like I want to ride X miles this year. Right. Like I set a goal. I want to ride 2000 miles this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm close. I'm not quite there, but like I've rode a lot of miles this year. You yeah. Know? That's um, awesome, man. So I think you've got to set goals in your personal life and your business life and push towards both of them. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, business is one of these things where, you know, it's hard for people that have W2 jobs, I think to relate. I have a hard time relating because I don't look at my work as this, like, it's like, indentured servant is almost what it feels like sometimes with yeah. people who have these jobs. Like they don't like their job. Yeah. They're just doing it to earn a paycheck and they spend, you know, they're working for the weekend kind of thing, right? Where they have their hobbies and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but they just, they're doing the job simply to, to make money. Yeah. And I, and I have a hard time relating to that because oh, yeah. I really enjoy building these businesses and, and doing these things. The problem comes when, you build the business in a way that gets you further away from the other side of the fence that you want. You can still, you know, I, I say uh, I like to play business as a sport, yeah. which means I just, just like I love to play basketball and all these types of things, like that's what business is for me. Yeah. It's not a, it's not, you know, I'm not being forced to do this. I, I, I like doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the trap that I've, uh, you know, found in my own life is that oftentimes I'll just you know, chase more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. And that can come with trade-offs. Yeah. Uh, it can get you further away from other things that you value, you know, more in your life. And in fact, you know, I'm working on that more in my life because I've got to have the other side to balance me out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to, you start feeling like overwhelmed in the mm-hmm. day-to-day. Like, I know for, for a fact, like, if I... I do better in my business life if I take whatever, an hour or two hours and I go to the gym or I go for a bike ride or I go for a hike or I like do something, you know, like I, I feel better, right? And yeah. then I come back refreshed and I, I just operate better. If I'm just working 12 hours a day for days in a row, like you start to feel different, you sure. know, like it's so important to like get out, do something, get some fresh air, like exercise, move, do the, do the hobbies, do the things that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you you start like if you're working too much you're like well what's the point of working like why what am I working for right why am I working all these hours like it's for a reason right yeah you know like it's it should be for a reason well and and I want to talk about reliability for a second because what keeps me from doing the things because like I'm uh, where you are at and the type of business you're building is what I'm trying to build right now. Um, and in order to have that type of a business, it needs to be reliable and predictable, meaning like it's really tough to take off and catch the storm in Breck if you don't know whether you're going to need to work two hours or eight hours or 16 hours in a day. Yeah. You know, if your business is, you know, it's the, it's the phrase like scaling chaos. Yeah. Can't scale chaos. 
So first, you have to get your business reliable. It has to be reliable. It, you need to be able to predict accurately. I know how much I'm going to spend on this business. I know when I'm going to spend it. Yeah. And that is what allows you to go do whatever else it is that you want to do, whether that's you know snowboard, whether that's mountain biking, whether that's building another business because that's what you enjoy to do, right? Playing business yeah. as a sport kind of a thing. But you can't do that unless you've got a predictable business. So, yeah. you know, what is, and again, this is, this is why I'm, uh, the flipping, the flipping stuff, right? It's just so unpredictable for me, yeah. but it sounds like you've got so much reliability built into that. So, um, yeah, kudos for you on that. And, um, I guess, you know, what is the, what is the, the focus now? Is it continuing to build more reliability into that business? Or is it, you've got the reliability, now it's like, I want to grow this business. Yeah, I, th- I think the reliability does come with scale as well. Like, think about it like this. If you're doing three flips a year, right, you're getting paid three times a year. Mm-hmm. You gotta, That's very you, true. Like, it's not enough, yep. right? So you, if you want reliability, you have to scale. Yeah. You know, like you have to have deals closing. And so for me... Like I do need to do a certain amount of deals to have that reliability, because um, I need stuff closing every you know every month. I want stuff closing. I want money coming in. Right. If I'm only doing a couple a year, that's tough. That's, that's stressful. Yeah. Like there's just not enough paychecks coming in. Um, so with flipping, I think I think scale is important if you don't have something else. Um, luckily, I do have rentals that that helps, but I those are like a separate separate whole bucket. I just look at the kind of the flipping as far as like reliability goes. I want to keep up the the volume um, in order to have paychecks coming in. So mm-hmm. I think scale does matter to a degree on, on the flipping world. If you want to feel like it's reliable, mm. um, you got to keep buying properties. Like, What's that like threshold? Because you know it's like you don't yeah. see a lot of guys doing ten flips a year. It's like they're either yeah. doing two or three or four, or they're doing fifty like you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the threshold, I don't know. I mean. I'm not saying that we have to close five deals a month, um, but when we, if we're closing five deals a month, like I feel pretty good, yeah. right? But if we're closing two, if we get, if we get two houses a month, like that can as long as we're doing that every single month, like that's gonna be consistent. Now, if we go two or three months and we don't close any deals, yeah, we're gonna have a big drop off, right? And I'm gonna have no money coming in, but I'm have a lot going out, you know, because I got employees and I got rehabs are expensive, mm-hmm. right? Like they're you're buying tons of material, you're paying. There's so many checks going out all the time. It's, it's a lot of mm-hmm. cash management is important. Like it takes a lot of cash to run the business. Mm-hmm. It's um, very cash intensive. It's, it's cash intensive. Yeah, yeah. Like you can, you start sweating real quick. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of Just our deals right now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I think a, a couple of deals a month um, keeps us going. Like mm-hmm. if I can have, I like to see five deals close a month. Now, am I doing that right now? No, because the market has slowed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing that for a good amount of time. Uh, but right now, like the market has slowed, things are a little bit different. And so if I'm closing two a month right now, three a month, two or three a month, that's consistent enough to keep the business going, keep it growing. Uh, I'm able to make hires. I'm able to like keep moving by doing that. So if I had to put a number to it, that's what I would say it is currently. Um, and I think there's opportunities coming. And so I'm okay with it being a little bit slow right now. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a weird time. So it is a weird time. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to like just take it as it comes, right? And like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen in this market? And it's easy know, to be right? like fearful of of the boogeyman that hasn't quite 
come yet. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we see interest rates doing this and everyone's talking about recession and everyone's saying yeah. all these sort of things. And it's like, all right, well, that's that's fine. Like maybe we, we try to get leaner. Maybe yeah. we pull back. We hold a little bit of cash and liquidity so we can take advantage of this. But, you know, I'm trying to tell myself, first of all, it's this battle I go in my head where I'm like listening to the guys who have been around for all the market cycles and they're saying one thing, but my brain is telling me, are they just, are you just trying to be, you know, don't be afraid of the boogeyman under your bed. You know, you still got to operate your business. You still got to make good decisions. We still got to make revenue. Um, you know, and that's challenging. Yeah. I mean, if, unless you want to like cut your team and start back from zero, like you got to keep buying. You got to keep, you, you, you got to keep yeah, finding a way to move forward. Yeah. You, you can't just stop. Like, right. like if you just stop and you're like, oh, the market's going to, market's going down, which, which, which it is, right? Like there's certain areas right now in Denver that are like tanking, you Big know, time. like, uh, and so you just got to know what those areas are. Right. But like, you can't just be fearful and be like, all right, time out. I'm done buying. Cause if you have employees and you have a team and yeah. you want predictability and you want scale, just got to buy deeper, right? You, yeah. you like, you got it. You just got to keep going. I mean, if, if the deals aren't there, you can't force it. Like yeah. you're like, you're saying that's how you get in trouble. Like you mm-hmm. can't, you can't force it if it's not there. Um, but it's just consistent effort, right? Like yeah. it's consistently putting out the marketing, not stopping when things start dipping, like consistently marketing, consistently trying to find new talent and hire consistently building the processes in the business. You know, I think if you keep doing that, which is where I'm at, like I'm continuing to do the things to keep us growing and keep us going, um, things will turn out okay, right? Like, and when 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 the market is prime and it, and things are great, like we're going to be able to scale quickly. Like we're going to be able to scale right back up where we're at uh, and keep growing. Mm-hmm. The guys that um, took all the risk and like were buying at, at the wrong prices, like they're really sweating. Like they're yeah. they may be gone next year. If things keep going down, like how many losses can you take? I know it. That's how. It's like L- how- luckily, we're we're <laughs> we've got a flip in Platte Park right now that I'm fully expecting to take a hundred thousand dollar hit on. It's That's it's crazy. it's That's, just we've been that hurts. We, we bought it in July of last year. It's just the, the thorn in my side, and yeah. it's one that I'll I'll remember forever. Right? Yeah. You just won't forget that deal. But you learn. I guarantee you learned a ton from it. Oh my god! Yeah, it's what's helped me actually build my business. Yeah. Right, the mistakes that I learned there. Luckily, it's only one mistake. Luckily, I can recover from that. We've got enough capital, and we'll be fine. But yeah, um, you know, it's it's such a painful lesson. Yeah. That's, and that's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you get better. Hopefully. Like, like you take those hits, you know, like you make those mistakes and it's a lesson. Yeah. This is another, it's another, you know, it's like a, it's a scar, man. I'm going to yeah, wear this scar, scar and I'm going to show it off. And it's like, yeah, check yeah, this yeah. one out. And I got, I got through it. So and you want, and you want to do it again. You'll be better next time. Like that's how you grow. That's how you get better. Yep. Let me ask you about, so we've talked about reliability and the things that you're doing to create reliability. Yeah. And maybe that's on one side of the spectrum. But on the other side, you know, let's talk about upside plays. Let's talk about things that, you know, and, and you've been kind of touching on lightly pressing on these commercial deals, lightly pressing on these land and these development deals. What's your upside play? Like, where am I going? What am I trying to what do? You, what are you seeing as an opportunity? Um, you know, again, I think of there's a, there's a, a tool that we describe as term as it's called a barbell. Yeah. Right? So if you think about a barbell. Uh, you don't load weight in the middle of the bar. Yeah, it means it either needs to be working its way towards reliability, or it needs to be a massive upside play. Yeah. And so, what's your upside play? 
Yeah. I, I mean, for me personally, it's, it's just continuing to buy rentals consistently every single year and buying a number of them. Like yeah. that's my upside play, right? Like I, love I'm, it. I stash those away. I keep buying them. Um, it helps me grow my business because I keep buying them. They keep going up in value. Right. And, yeah. and maybe that's going to drop off here for a bit, but I'm buying them at a discount. Yeah. You know, so I'm not buying them at market value. So I feel safe there. Um, but that's my upside plays, continuing to buy rentals, continuing to buy um, more property to hold. And then my, my strategy really is uh, I don't, I don't leverage them to the gill. Like I don't go and leverage them as hard as I can and pull out the cash. Um, I do, I do leverage them, but I do it in a different way. I'm not going to getting mortgages where my payment's higher. I like to have the lower payment and put lines of credit on them and use those lines of credit in the business. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of my strategy and my play is to have uh, chunks of equity in these rentals that I'm buying and then leverage them with lines of credit where, you know, I don't keep, have, keep I don't making have cash, keep pouring it into wealth building. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel safer that way because I don't have, they're not, you know, I don't have 90% LTV on my rentals, right? Yeah. Like these are a lot lower. So it's kind of a, it's a hedge for me. Yeah. Um, stuff goes wrong in the, in the flipping world and things go completely south. Mm-hmm. Well, I got the rentals to fall back on, you know, like I can, I have, I can sell those out. Right. That's right. And, and get out of it. That's kind of my, my backup. Yeah. Right. Um, but I would say that's what I do. I just continue to buy rentals. Um, I'm trying to buy bigger commercial assets and, and we're, we're figuring out strategies to market to those right now. Um, and doing marketing in the commercial world. And so That's cool. I'm going that direction to, to learn that game because there's there's bigger deals, there's bigger upside. And um, I, I want to be in that, you know, like I want to get from the 500K house flip to the $5 million warehouse or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the residential guys want to get into commercial. All the commercial guys want to get into industrial. All the industrial guys want to get into private equity. Yeah, and I think you don't, <laughs> I think you don't know until you know, right? Until you start doing them, going through those channels. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a great conversation. So, how can folks, you know, here in Denver, get a hold of you if they wanted to bring you a deal? If they wanted to, you know, learn more about flipping things like yeah. that, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, I do a lot of, I do a lot of connecting with people locally. That's why I love doing these podcasts because I like to get out there and meet new people and yeah. kind of meet everybody in, in this world. Um, I, I love working with, with agents and wholesalers and just anybody that's in the business. I, I want to know and I want to connect with them. Um, but the best way to find me probably I would say is Facebook. Um, I'm not crazy active there, but I'm attentive. Like sure. if somebody messages me, I'm going to get back to them. Um, I, I try to be high on my communication. And I don't care if you're at the very bottom or you're at the very top. You know, if you message me, I'm going to reply to you and say something. You know, yeah. as long as you're not trying to sell me your your 9.99 course on crypto, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. It's 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 more expensive than that. No, okay, whatever. I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah. if you got. Fix and flips in Denver. I mean, this is the guy to talk to. Like, yeah. you know, bring him to him. He'll buy them. Uh, yeah, we'll buys buy a couple him. of them a year or a month. Um, so, is it all over town, or is it any any specific area? Yeah, we we have we have covered a wide area. Um, we're still doing deals in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Really? So that's as north as we go. Cheyenne, Wyoming. I started doing flips up there a couple of years ago, buying rentals as well. So we're all the way up in Cheyenne, and we've been all the way down to Pueblo. Um, I would say right now we're mostly focus on uh, Denver Metro and Northern Colorado uh, and Cheyenne. We're still doing stuff in Cheyenne. Uh, Springs and Pueblo, I've, I've definitely slowed down in um, and have done less just because it's so far. 
and we just don't have the capacity. Like to send my project manager down there is literally. He must be fun. in like Longmont. It's or a full day. So he can get up to Cheyenne and Denver. Is that he's where he's in, at? He's in Bruford, actually. So, okay. Yeah. But going down to going down to Colorado Springs or, or Pueblo, like that's a full day. Right? You're fighting so, the traffic both ways. Yeah, and so to do like one flip down there, yeah. um, I just I I've realized like I gotta tighten that up, and so we're we're more focused on Denver Metro right now, and kind of staying in that little circle. I think it'll be easier for us and I've spread us a bit too thin by doing flips in all these random places. Mm. I mean, we've done them like out in the country, like in Peyton and Larkspur and, wow, yeah. and, and uh, Bailey. We've done a number in, a number of flips in Bailey, you know, like we've gone all over the place. So I, w- I will say like, I'm not saying I won't buy there. If it's a good enough deal, I'll buy anywhere. Right. But we're mostly Denver Metro based. Awesome. Yeah. So if you got any good flips, bring them to Kyle. Um, it was a pleasure, man. Thanks for coming yeah. in. Thanks for yeah. coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate right. it. Thanks Take for care. having me.